Welcome to Hope Found. This is a podcast about doing life with God. I found hope in the one and only true God through my salvation in Jesus. And I want to share my journey with God via the scriptures and personal interactions. Many of the podcasts will have a study of scriptures and others will contain interviews with other people and their stories finding hope in God. Hi, and welcome back. My name's Hope, and John, my husband's with it, with us today. Hello. And we are going to be talking about the Tree of Life, Invitation to an Abundant Life. Um, I do need to apologize. My voice is a little bit rough, but I really wanted to uh, get with you guys and share what God has really laid on my heart. It's been burning in my heart. So uh, if you can just stick this out with me, I do apologize. It is a little rough, but I will do my best. So speaking of an abundant life, last week we talked about the tree, I'm sorry, the river of life. And this week we're going to talk about the tree of life and an invitation to an abundant life. In John 10.10, Jesus is speaking, and he says, The thief, who is our enemy, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. However, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So these few episodes here are about an invitation to an abundant life. But first, I would like to step back just a little bit. Um, last week, like I said, we talked about the river of life or the living water, who is the Holy Spirit, and how we access him in spending time in his presence. There was a portion of scripture that I did not read, and I would like to share that today before we jump into the tree of life. Ezekiel 47, 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Okay, now we're going to jump down to verse 8 through 10. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. It shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because there, these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to En Eglum. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kind of fish of the great sea, exceedingly many." So after we spoke, John and I spoke after last episode, and he brought up this amazing connection that he uh, got. So I wanted him to just take a few minutes and share the connection that he made. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at this, a lot of times when we read the Bible, I think that um, if we don't necessarily understand parts of biblical geography— where we're hearing what we're hearing doesn't always make sense right and uh fortunately you know over the, over the last few years uh in the job that 
that I do during the, the day, <laughs> um, I've been able to learn a lot about geography in Israel. And, uh, and it, it made me think, you know, as we were going through the, through that passage, you know, Ezekiel is all about t- speaking prophetically, right? It's, it's talking about right. things that are to come. It's talking about, um, about things that, and again, people read Ezekiel and they're like, whoa, <laughs> this, this doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff in here that seems ultra weird or whatever. Um, and, and I just was thinking, you know, in episode two, the episode before that, uh, you had talked about uh, the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Right. And we referred uh, to some biblical biblical geography there. Right. And talked about how uh, likely that's the Kidron Valley, the Kidron Valley that is to the east of the temple. Uh, and uh, and it's that's just it's a valley that's between uh, the Temple Mount and uh, the Mount of Olives. That's the valley that's in between there. And so I, as you were reading that uh, the last time and as we talked about it a little bit more, uh, I started thinking, wow. Um, I don't think people might realize that that this is talking about this water, this living water that's flowing out of the temple to the east. So if that's happening, that means that that water's filling the Kidron Valley. It's going into what was the Valley of the Shadow of Death, as wow. we talked about in episode two. Okay, so that's awesome by itself. And and it talked about you know in what you read the last time, it, it, we we talked about how you waded into it, and so there was obviously a lot of water there. We're, mm-hmm. we're not talking about a little stream that ran out. We're exactly. talking about this water that was flowing from the temple, filling the valley. So so you've got that. Well, then it goes on to talk about how it it goes out and it flows to the south, and it talks about you know water that that was. Uh, basically where life couldn't exist and how it's going to be full of life. And, um, and again, if people don't understand biblical geography, uh, what is south of Jerusalem is the Dead Sea. So pe- most people have probably heard of the Dead Sea, and the Dead right. Sea is you know, full of salt, so you know, things can't live there. Um, I think people that visit Israel think about the Dead Sea as the, that cool place you get to go because you float when you get in the water. <laughs> it's um, great for your skin. Right, it's great for your skin, not so great for, um, for fish and other things to live in it. <laughs> So, um, so again, it's just it's just cool when you when you really think about it um, in this prophetic word. It, you know, it it is talking about something spiritual, but it's also talking about something physical. There's a mm. there's a physical element to it because it's talking about these areas that that people understand. They they know what that area is. They understand the sea where nothing can live, uh, and how that's going to be healed through through this water, through this living water wow. that comes out. So yeah, I just, that just was a cool, a cool portion that I thought of, uh, just after we, uh, after we recorded the last one. Yeah. I'm so glad that you saw that. And that's why I think it's so cool to do this with other people because, um, they see things a lot of times that I don't see. Um, uh, you know, we do life groups and different things like that. And I, I love that. I love that interaction because, you know, people can see things from different ways from their different experiences and, and different things like that. So I just so appreciate that you shared that and yeah, thank sure. you for sharing, uh, today about that, that honestly, it, it gives me so much hope Yeah, because, you know, I saw pictures, you can Google and see pictures and videos of this Valley. It's so dead. It's so dead. Like it didn't even look like there was grass there and nobody to this day lives there because way back when they would actually sacrifice their children there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sort of like a haunted kind of field, like just a hor- horrible, desolate death. Like it just speaks death, which is, I mean, literally why they call it the Valley of Death. And so the fact that 
God is longing to restore that. Yeah. I mean, he, he longs, a creation cries out to be restored and he longs to do it. And I know that one day he will, he will, that this river, we know this river will flow and it will bring healing to all of that. And it just, it gives me such hope. I just, I'm so glad that we can be a part of it, you know, and that we will see that one day. Yeah. Absolutely. And the promise that we get there, um, you know, of, of how that healing is going to come to this area again, that's a, that's something physical. It gives us that hope and that promise that, you know, that healing exists for us, that, that, you know, the things mm -hmm. that are dead in us and the things yeah. that we struggle with that, um, that there's the promise of healing through that living water that we get from there too. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm glad that you said that. Um, I kind of just want to take a minute and to pray because I think that we all we all have those areas of our lives that um, have maybe dried up or um, might be dead from hurt. Um, it could be any number of different things. So I just I just want to take a minute to pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for sending Jesus and that he is he is life. And Father, I just speak life into these broken, dying, possibly dead, dry places in the listeners that are, are hearing this today, God, that you would bring life there. You are the God of restoration. You bring life. You make it better than what it was before. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are so good and that you care about each and every person wherever they've been, whatever they've experienced. And so, God, I just speak life into those dry and uh, dead places. And I thank you, God. You are so good. You are so good. In your mighty name, amen. Well, that was almost an episode all by itself, right? <laughs> right. But that's not even what today's topic is. But... It's not, but it was so important to share. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love when God does that. He's so amazing. Okay, so um, we are talking about the tree of life today. It's mentioned several different times in the Bible. I'm just going to refer to three passages uh, specifically today. So let's just jump right in. Genesis 2, 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Ezekiel 47, 12. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and the fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the, from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves will be for medicine. Revelation 22, 1 through 2. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, crystal clear, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So we kind of, they're very similar passages, but I do want to talk about how sometimes it says tree and sometimes it says trees. 
So it's it was interesting to me because I wondered, you know, I see these very similar passages. I feel like it's talking about a very similar picture. So why? Why does some of it say trees and other parts say tree of life? Well, Jesus is the tree of life. John 14, 6 says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, of course, he's not physically the tree. However, it represents him, the tree of life. And we are the trees. Again, we are the trees are representing us. Uh, we are not going to be uh, die and reincarnated as trees. Uh, they are simply to represent us. See, God is really good about using things that we see to reveal things in the spirit. So because we have such limited knowledge and we have a hard time grasping the amazing, great things, even maybe simple uh, concepts of him, that he uses the physical things around us to bring us understanding. So uh, the trees are representing us and the tree of life is Jesus. So there are multiple trees, and we know that because there's different fruits, and it talks about the trees on this side of the river and down the middle of its street and on that side of the river. So we know that there are clearly, in these pictures that Ezekiel is seeing and John is seeing in Revelation and uh, that was spoken about in Genesis, that there are several trees. So why does it refer to the tree of life and not talk about several trees. It it speaks of one tree of life, but yet obviously they're seeing multiple trees. Well, all trees that we're talking about in these pictures are rooted by the river of life. They are drinking from the river. In last episode, we talked about the river of life is the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit that Jesus can be in us and we can be in him. And Jesus is in the Father. It says that in John 14. So we are all connected by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, we're all drinking from this river, as trees, we're drinking from this river, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is connecting all of us together. It's connecting us to Jesus, and it's connecting us to one another. It's making us one. So other parts of the Bible, which... You'll find this this concept of the oneness and unity in the body of Christ in very different uh, contexts, very different ways of looking at it, but um, in multiple places in the Bible. I'm going to talk about a few today. One body, unity. Romans 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Ephesians 4, 3-6 Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So, I mean, I don't know how many times he can repeat it there. (laughs) The theme is one. We are one. We are unified together because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects us. 
Another way that it's referred to is abiding in Jesus. So in a minute, I'm going to read in John 15 about abiding in Jesus. I think it's important to state that the word abide is not something that we typically use. It's not, you know, I'm not going to say I abide in my home. You know, it's it's not really something that we use. It's not language that we use very much. Um, if you've been in church for any time, you probably have heard it because it's probably one of those Christianese words that, you know, we would use like seasons. I'm in my certain season or whatever. But it's really, really cool if you look up the word abide in its original meaning um, in the Greek uh, in John 15. It means to stay in, in any given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To continue, dwell, endure, be present, and remain. So I could really break that down. I could probably use almost one whole episode to really dig into that, which maybe one day I will. But it clearly is a constant thing. It's a continued state that we need to be in, in Jesus, to be abiding in him and he in us via the Holy Spirit. We're all connected. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself until it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So he commands us to abide. This is not, hey, if you feel like it. And most of the time when he commands us, it's because he knows what's best for us. He knows um, we won't have any life unless we abide in him. So it is a command. It's a continuous thing that we are united as one by the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to expand that just a little bit. So I'm going to read um, John 15, 1 through 6. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already cleaned because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they burn. Okay, I would like to take a look back at verse 2 and 6 out of there. So John 15, 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Talking about the vine dresser, God the Father. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then John 15, 6, 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So many times I've heard it preach um, that these two verses are pretty much the same idea, that um, basically if you're not bearing fruit, you're just out of luck. And like, you know, because we read the part where it says he takes away. So to us in the English, that means you're removed. That's what the majority of people think. However, I want to dig a little deeper in this because they do not refer to the same thing. In verse 2, where it talks about every branch in me does, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the biggest difference in between here is verse 2 says every branch in me. And then in verse 6, it says, if anyone does not abide in me. So that's the biggest difference there. The first one's talking about if a branch is in me. And then the second one is if they do not abide, if they're choosing to not abide in me. The next part is that when he takes it away. So it's not removing. This word, that's what it, you know, to us, that's what I would think. You know, you take it away, you take the trash away, you know, take it out. But that's not what it means. God the Father, as the vine dresser, the words take away here mean to raise, to bear up, to carry, or to lift up. So in a vineyard, when a vine dresser notices that there is a branch that is still connected, but it needs some help, it's not bearing any fruit, there's no grapes on it, it's not bearing fruit, but it's still connected he will bring along a stick or something to lift it up so that it can be in the light. Sometimes it gets buried underneath the other ones and maybe it just needs more sun. But it, they, it lifts, the vine dresser will lift it up. It will, and that's what they call by taking away. It's actually lifting it up. It's enabling it to get what it needs in order to bear the fruit. Now, if that doesn't speak hope to everyone, I don't know what does. Yeah. So it's not removing it, which whenever I realized this a couple years back, I was like, wow, like I need to tell people this. <laughs> I mean, that is just amazing to me because it's not removing it. It's the father giving us chances. This, this branch is in him. It's connected, but we all have hard times, right? We all have hard times. We, we mess up. We have hard times where things are rough and, and it's hard. We, we feel dry. We feel like we're in that place, but he is so good to us. As long as we have our eyes on him, as long as our hearts are pointed towards him. I can remember so many times I've talked with our kids growing up that, you know, they would feel so bad because they messed up or they know that they should be like in the word and they should be doing this. You know, we all go through those times. I think more than not, but I just told them, but is your heart aimed in the right direction? Then just get back to it. You know, your heart is in the right direction. You mess up. He, he knows we're going to mess up. But just make sure your heart is pointed in the right direction. And here, this branch is still connected. It's just not in the right place to bear fruit. And so the God the Father will lift you up. He will bear you up. He will put you in a position where you can get what you need in order to bear fruit. It, it, it proves God's grace. Absolutely. 
I mean, it, it's just, it, it, especially if it's if that's a verse that has been read before to almost where people feel, um, they feel bad or they feel like, man, I, I, I messed up and I'm, I'm out. Like it's, you know, yeah. like that's it. Like I lost my chance. And it's, and like you said, it's, you know, God gives chances and not does he, not only does he give chances, he, he helps and, and he's there to, like you said, to lift you up, to be able to, to help put you in the place where you need to be. You know, he's, he's doing this with us, right. not, it's not a, um, it's not something we're doing alone. Right. It, it goes points right back to our relationship. Yeah. You know, I mean, if one of our children messed up, are we just going to be like, okay, you out? Kick him out the door. I don't know. Maybe something else. No, <laughs> I mean, we we have grace towards them. At least we should. Yeah. We should be having grace, understanding that they are growing, that they are learning, just like we all are. And God is so much better than us <laughs> as a parent. And so, uh, yeah, and he will give us so many chances. He's so full of grace. Like it says, his mercies are new every morning. As long as you're choosing to stay connected, he is faithful to bear you up, to help you, to give you whatever you need to start bearing that fruit. Oh, he's just so good. I love him so much. Okay, so knowing all that, what do you think the key is to abiding in Jesus? I think that it, the the key is, I mean, it's it's take it at face value. It's it's exactly what you, what the word says. It's being, it's being with him. Um, it, it's making an effort. It's uh, it's spending time with him, uh, growing in him, right? Reaching out to him. I mean, that's how I that's how I would look at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that uh, the majority of us see it that way, for sure. Um, I would like to read John 15, 9 through 13. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my command, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. So specifically, uh, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So just like you said, the commandment, keep, keep my commandments. I think myself included for a long time and many other people think, well, if I keep his commandments, he's going to know that I love him. Doesn't that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's what it says, right? Keep my commandments and you're in my love. However, I like to look at it the other way. If we love him, then we keep his commandments. We need to love him first. Love is the key. Love is the key to abiding. And I want to expand on that. 
So obeying all the commands, doing the right thing. Well, there's a lot of times that doing that, coming out of um, making sure that we're doing all the right things, first of all, it's really hard to do all the right things. It's really hard to keep all the laws. And we're not saved by doing all of that. So the foundation is love. Mm -hmm. The foundation is love. And what is the one commandment? What is the one commandment that it has in here in these verses? It says that he commands us to love one another. So, so keeping his commandments is showing him that we love him. That's what most people think. But it's actually the love that enables us to keep his commandments. And the one commandment that he refers to is about love. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the greatest commandment that Jesus said. What was that, John? Yeah, the, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the greatest commandment. It's love. Yeah. So the key to abiding is falling in love with God. So we know a good part of his commandments, right? But it's really hard for us to do them because we're not enabled to on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. So we need to do it out of our relationship with him, which is grounded in love. So we need to fall in love with him. And then out of that, we choose to do what he commands us to do because we love him. And then through that relationship, he enables us. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about the fruit later on. So I also want to go to Revelation 2, 1 through 7. So clearly, um, just doing all those right things is not the key to abiding. Um, in uh, chapter 2 of Revelation, um, John is talking, or the angel is actually talking to the church of Ephesus. And he's telling them, listen, guys, you're doing all the right things. You can't tolerate the wicked people. You have tested the false teaching and you don't follow them because you've revealed that they are false teachers. You have persevered. You have endured hardships for God's name. You are not growing weary. You are doing all the right things. But in verse four, he has one thing against them. One thing. Revelation 2, 4 but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. They stopped loving God. They were doing all the right things, but they stopped loving him. This was the key. The key in our relationship with God and in abiding in him is love. That's what tells me that falling in love with our creator is the key. The angel is telling the church of Ephesus, repent, return to your first love. If you are victorious and you return to your first love, in uh, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, to the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life, 
that is found in the paradise of God. How full circle is that? I mean, when I realized that, I mean, I really have tried to let the Holy Spirit direct me in these, and I could not do that on my own. I could not come to that conclusion, that full circle, like he's showing me just everything that I just shared. And then the fact that it brought it back to the tree of life, I just like, I was in awe. I just, God is just so good. Like if we just give any effort or time to him, he will show these things to us. He will reveal them to us. And I just, I just love being a part of it. I love being a part of what he wants to do with, with other people in his church and his body and all us in our oneness. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just love it. So, um, yeah, so they were able to eat of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of God. That means they will live forever with him eating from the tree of life. So I just want to encourage you, continue to be a tree, (laughs) be the tree of life connected to the river of life. This is our only source, being connected with the Holy Spirit, abiding in Jesus. He is in us, we are in him, and he is in the Father. We get to be a part of this oneness and it will lead to abundant life. So until next time, continue to find your hope in the one and only true God. See you next time.